0: Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is John Martin Ramsey. John just celebrated 90 years of age and is better than ever. He is an author, and his writings reflect his experiences with life. On his Between the Finite and Infinite podcast. He takes small bits of easily understood situations to grasp the magnitude of the insight. Hi John.
1: Hi. Wow. What a beautiful day and what a, a, a I love the introduction. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Oh good. I'm glad. Okay. All right. Woo, I get an A on that one. All right. Awesome sauce. <laughs> so here we are. We're podcasting in place today. Um how long have you been sheltering? How long have I been Sheltering, staying home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. it's so it's kind
1: of hard, right? Well, at my age, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it hasn't changed things much. And uh, I'm retired. Uh, I have social security. uh I don't have to face uh, the issues that so many people are facing, and it, it's so tough. I, I can't believe that I am living through this, this uh, new age. Um, it's really, uh, you never expected to, to go through something like this.
0: No, no, I, you didn't see it coming. I mean, you know, at the beginning of every year, I'm always like, it's 2020, you know, like, here's the new year, it's 2020. Oh, what's going to happen this year? And you get these ideas of what you want to see happen and how exciting it's all going to be. And then we got into this year and I was like, whoa, oh, this looks way different than I thought it was going to look. You know, um, it's, it's, a very, it's a very interesting experience. And of course, there's a lot of sad things going on. Um, yet, as we at Medici know, there's also a lot of silver linings that you know we need to look look to and and be aware of so that we can keep moving forward
1: Well, I've certainly had a silver lining. Uh, I just feel so fortunate yeah
0: so I miss seeing you at Medici I miss seeing all my friends at Medici <laughs> That part has been difficult, but let's talk about i mean you've You've done a lot in your lifetime. You have many books.
1: It's uh yeah it's uh you know it's many many years, nine decades.
0: (laughs) So when did you start writing? When did you decide I need to become an author and I need to get books out there?
1: Uh, well, I first started doing some writing back in the nineteen mid sixties. I wrote uh, a piece about a school I was director of uh, on the uh, National Conservation Magazine, I think it was. And uh, it was it was published, and uh, I found that I enjoyed writing. So I've been doing some of that all the time. But uh, about four years ago now, I suddenly developed uh, BPV, which is a vertigo problem, so I, was, I turned over in bed, and the whole world started spinning. I couldn't even get out of bed. We had to get an ambulance to get me to the hospital. uh They found out it was this some uh some nuts are loose in my head.
0: <laughs> That's a difficult thing though vertigo you know i you know I have a family member that has dealt with it, and it's not easy
1: no. And so I, I was not a, a, a curtail. You know, I'm a. I've been a dancer uh, since I was 17. I, I got into country dancing. Really, it's been uh, mostly my avocation, but then it became my profession too. Towards the end, and after I retired here in St. Louis, my wife and I met her at a dance, and uh, we have been teaching homeschool families uh, country dancing. The joy of being together. Dancing as a community. So uh, I could not dance when I'm, when I'm dizzy like that, you know. No. Things. And so, what am I going to do with my life? And I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, which is when I usually have a creative insight. My brain has been working while I've been sleeping. <laughs> That's, yeah,
0: cool. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs>
1: oh, you had some experiences with life and you ought, that would make a pretty good novel. I had never thought I would tackle a novel. That that just boggles my mind, the complexity of it. Uh, but I had this idea and so I started because I, I couldn't do anything else. I had to sit down and and I could be on the computer and, and type. So I did. I wrote a novel. I'm not too... Pleased with well, it. It's sort of about halfway through, it took over on its own.
0: <laughs> yes. As I think, I believe that there's a lot of authors that talk about that though, with the, in the writing process, that the story takes on its own life.
1: So I, I uh, did this novel and, and uh, then progressed to other things. And then a couple of years ago, well, no, a year ago in February, uh, I went to a a meeting I had, uh, my wife and I had uh, helped publish a uh, a book or get it ready for publication by a friend, psychologist uh, who had uh, was dying, and uh, uh, he had he had he was a pioneering psychologist. So uh, we had made a, a book of it, made an audio book of it, but it just wasn't going anywhere. And I heard about podcasting. And I thought, well, I could take that book and divide it up into little podcasts. And so I went to this seminar to learn how to do podcasting. And Bob Anderson <laughs> was there.
0: Oh, another great Medici friend of ours.
1: <laughs> He's the one that uh, said, oh, you've got to come to Medici uh, media space Monday morning. I said, well, you know, that'd be fine. I'd love to do something like that. But uh I don't have a car on Monday mornings. He said, well, I'll come and get you. So for half a year, he did. Every Monday morning, he came and picked me up and uh, brought me home. Sometimes we would go out to lunch, uh, bring me home afterwards, and uh, got me onto podcasting. So now I have uh, Marlowe's book, the psychologist's book. It's called Flipping Freud. <laughs> <laughs> then I have my own book. Uh, which has turned into uh, Answers Become Questions. That's my philosophy of life, I guess, to realize that there's so much to learn. Yeah. Questions. There are always more questions. Yes. Having that attitude towards life uh, makes a difference in everything you do. So, okay, uh, I had this book, Answers Become Questions, and. So I started a podcast on that because, you know, it's a, it's a heavy book. Uh, it's a good one. Uh, I would <laughs> love to. I, I got it.
0: It's on Amazon. Yeah, show us a picture. Let's see it. There it is. Doo, doo, doo.
1: <laughs> I like the question marks. They look like uh, a party. <laughs> I love it. Life is a party. So anyway, yeah. Uh, so I have a podcast now called Between the Finite and the Infinite.
0: So talk about that. I mean, it sounds like a very interesting, you know, the, like I said in here, small bits of easily understood situations to grasp the magnitude of the insight. What, tell it, give us some ideas.
1: Well, uh, humans seem to want to pigeonhole everything, put it in boxes, classify everything. We have our classification systems and, um, I have learned that that life doesn't seem to fit in boxes. Mm -mm. Uh, Briar, what is it? (laughs) I can't think of the the, uh, group, the psychologists uh, that look look at your personality.
0: Uh, Yeah, 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 Myers-Briggs. Yep, yep, yep.
1: Thank you. Myers-Briggs, yeah. They put you in boxes, but nobody fits in the box.
0: No, right.
1: And uh, in everything, I find that we don't fit in boxes. You know, we classify people as to their, their skin color. And uh, in the book, I tell about the uh, experience I had substitute teaching here in St. Louis uh, at uh, Brittany Woods Middle School. Went into a seventh grade class, and uh, it was a science class. And the teacher didn't know me, uh, what I had uh expertise in, she had written on the board, have the students uh, read chapter two, uh, write out all 10 questions at the end of the chapter in longhand, and answer them in complete sentences. (laughs) Well, sounds fun. (laughs) I first told them a dog story. That's another one of my dog
0: tales. (laughs) Yes, I love it. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> so I had a dog tail, which I told the kids to let them know that I was a human being. You know,
0: Yes.
1: Not a teacher.
0: And not going to bore them to death.
1: Well, it right out in longhand. <laughs> so um, I had to ask one of the kids for a textbook because there wasn't anyone on the desk. And uh, chapter two is on classifications. (laughs) So I said, well, that's something I know something about, and I'm interested in it. And, uh, you know, we classify everything. People want to classify because we are human beings. We are not God. We don't know everything. And so all we can think about is what's finite. Right. You give it a word, give it a name, tag it. So what would you like to classify? And they said, people, ah, okay, that's good. Uh, so how do you want to classify them? How old they are, how high they are, their weight, you know, their eye color? Uh, they said, uh, no, uh, skin color. <laughs> and I said, watch it, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it was 80% black in the, in the classroom. But uh, I drew a line on the board and I put over here is black and over here is white. And I said, "Okay, so uh, we can take a photometer and measure your skin and we will find out that everybody belongs on this line somewhere. Now we're going to classify people. What colors are you talking about? They said black and white. And I said, so where do you want to make the division? And they said, 50, 50, 50, uh, So I drew a line I said, okay, all these people are black and all these people are white. <laughs> and they objected to that. They didn't like that idea. And they said, well, they're not black. They're, they're you know, all shades is brown. And another guy says, yeah, and well, they aren't white either, and they're pink.
0: <laughs> right, but there are, there's lots of different shades. So that's cool. The kids. So did the kids like. They warmed up to this idea. They could see where they were
1: on the line. And that we, I said, uh, okay, you don't like 50, 50. What do you want? 60, 40, You know, where do you want to draw the line? Because we're going to classify people. And I said, I think you understand something now that most adults don't understand. Now that is. Another example, you know, this classification, putting things into boxes. And if you get out of the box, you look at the whole world differently. You look at yep. other people because they have different ideas. They're in different boxes. Or maybe they're not in a box, they have, a, but they're out of your box. You are in a box.
0: I like the idea of, and it's true, because, you know, I mean, I don't like boxes and, you know, I've never fit in one. So it's, you know, but, but I think of that with other people too, when I meet them, you know, to me, it's like blank slate. I don't know anything about you. So I, I have to, I always start with love. I mean, I'm one of those people that right away starts with love with people and figure I probably love you. So let's just learn more about you, you know? And it's, it, and it really opens you up, I think, to see more, to not start with I'm going to start classifying you right away. Right?
1: And yet we all are prone to do that.
0: (laughs) Right. But you have to be aware that you do it so
1: that you don't do it. Do that. And that's the whole purpose of my book. Answers become questions to open you up so that you can uh, look at other people as pieces of the puzzle.
0: Yeah. And, And part of everybody. Like you're all one. You're all actually one. (laughs) You know? <laughs> yeah, and if you would if you would understand how you have much more in common with everyone around you. Even if you don't think you do, you do. You know, it's been really interesting I think during this sheltering in place to watch um, you know, we celebrities who are you know mysterious to us in many ways, right? You know, and how the celebrities are all doing these various sheltering in place videos and you're seeing their backgrounds Right, you know, and you're like, oh, I have a kitchen. They, have a, yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah. They got, they got all that stuff, you know. Their best, their bed's kind of messy. Like, you know, just like the different places people have chosen as their background has been really interesting, and I think it's fun because I think it normalized a lot of these people in our minds, you know. Seeing them in their own space. When you have this concept
1: uh, that uh, we are finite, living in in between the finite and the infinite. That's what today is, now, here and now is in between. Uh, this is the day we have to learn something, to, to live, to give something. And uh, I, I had experiences with, uh, in Denmark uh, because of my dancing. I had gotten interested in uh, Denmark and interested in other ways. The Scandinavian countries are a bit different. And uh, my first trip overseas uh, was to Denmark, and uh, I realized that, well, I was told, you know, it was a a communist country uh, or socialist country, which it is not. It's a cooperative country because they understand this concept of uh, being uh, finite beings in this infinite space between the, the extremes. Okay. we don't know what this. we want. We always want, especially Americans, we want to be the best, you know, at the top or uh, you're not at the top, you're at the bottom.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, which I I wonder if that's part of the issue with why we weren't really prepared for what's happening right now, because we felt like perhaps we were untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That can't happen here. You know, my married a
1: Dane because of my interest in Denmark. And I, I ran an exchange program with Denmark. Really? Dancers over there. And they sent uh, gymnasts over here uh, at uh, all levels, teenagers and, and adults. Uh, that went on for about, well, it's still going on over 10 years. We had over a thousand people that were involved in. So I got to know something about Denmark. And now I have a Danish daughter-in-law and two Danish grandsons and now two
0: Danish (laughs) great-granddaughters. Oh my gosh. Cool. That's so, you know, one of the things that may, I I'm super interested in knowing about you because, and I, and I would love to know your advice for all of us that, you know, that wish to at one point get to age 90 and over you've kept up, you have kept up with technology. Yeah. I mean, this morning, here we are. We we're throwing all this new stuff at you. Okay, click on this link, and then you need this, and then you need that, and you're like, do 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 do. Okay, yeah, ready to go. <laughs> you know, so like, and and then you're you know you're doing you went and learned how to do how to do podcasting and and all these things that I think it seems I see a lot of people as they get older they they quit keeping up. You know, and I have it in my head. I'm like, I want to be one of those people that keep up with it. That you know, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I understand all of it. My daughter's on TikTok. She shows me videos on TikTok. Here I am, a social media person, but I've not really ventured into TikTok. I may not. I seem older for it, and i that's not my audience. But, you know, at least I, like, know what it is, and I kind of look at it. How did you always keep up? I mean, were you conscious of it, or was it your curious mind?
1: Uh, I don't know uh i think all of us are born with uh different characteristics uh it's sort of innate and then we have different experiences and that also goes into the mix uh so i've just always had an an interest in technology uh we um, my dad my dad i got i got a lot of it from him he had a, a wire recorder before the days of tape recorders, before the days of computers, we had tape recorders. Before tape recorders, we had wire recorders. Really? Yeah.
0: What is a wire recorder?
1: Well, instead of a, a tape, it's uh, like a piano wire, a very thin wire, on spools, and as it runs through the head, why uh, it gets magnetized, and uh, you use like uh, just like a tape recorder. Really? Yeah. So I have I have both of my dads here uh, they're not not working now, and I don't know what's happened to the spools we had, but uh yeah, we kids used to play with that.
0: How big is it? Is it like is it what size is a wire recorder? Oh, just like a tape recorder? Really, so you like carry it around with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, you carry portable.
0: yeah Very cool. okay, so you've seen a lot of different technology.
1: Yeah, and, and dad, even uh, when I was oh, six years old, uh, he was, this was during the Depression time. Dad was organizing the steel workers. He was a steel worker, he worked at Bethlehem Steel, and uh, times were difficult and dangerous. Uh, and uh, he got the workers to organize to help each other and also to uh, put some pressure on the company to uh, make things better for them because the president of the company lived in a palatial home uh, Mm. that had a fence around it and and, uh, uh, armed guards (laughs) up on the hill. Wow. So, and the workers, we lived in very uh, poor housing and uh, we'd had no health insurance, nothing like that. You know, these were, and it was just out of the deep, well, during the depression. So dad organized the the labor We'd go down to the union hall he, he was elected the first president of the uh, the local union. we go down to the union hall as a six-year-old and my two brothers and my sister, and we would uh, stuff and stamp envelopes to call for a union meeting. And uh, dad would print these out on uh, something before the days of copiers.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Tray with gelatin in it. And he would. Uh, type up uh, uh, his uh, brochure, uh, get it arranged, and then put that face down on this gelatin, and it was absorbed, the, the, the ink, and then you'd peel that off, and then you could put maybe 20 copies one at a time, let them get the print off of it, take it off, put the next one on. After about 20 copies, you know, it was worn out, and you'd have to make another one.
0: Wow. <laughs> and now we're just like, print it up on the printer.
1: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> and pay a lot of money for ink.
1: <laughs> Technology stuff goes way back for me, uh, and I've, I've always been interested in it.
0: Was there anything in particular that when it came out, you were like, wow, that just really wowed you?
1: Uh, it continues to. Uh yeah, each each thing that comes out is, is wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love I, the internet.
0: Yeah, oh, me too. When, when the internet started, I was so excited about it. I was super excited about email too, because I figured then that way I could just get, if I had a question for someone, I could just email it whenever and they could answer it. It'd be out of my head.
1: <laughs> and you don't have to find an envelope and address it, find the address and put a stamp on it and get it to the post office, all that stuff, you know. You just click a button, it's
0: gone. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were talking about the things we've seen over our lifetime. And I was telling her about how when voicemail, well, when email first came out, that like one of the things I loved was I could just email people and it would crack me up how many people didn't get it when it first came out. And so they would call you and they would go, Hey, I got your email. And so um, give me a call when you get a chance. And I'm thinking, in the email. I asked you for specific information that you could just email me back. <laughs> why do we have to talk about it? You know, and so I felt like at the time I worked for a company and I felt like I was constantly training people on what email was. You know, I would call and go, okay, so in the email, I said the following things. Next time you can just email back with that information. You don't have to call me. <laughs> like, that's why I emailed you.
1: How are you surviving today when you, you, it's not just email, you have voicemail, you have texting,
0: yes. uh, you
1: have Facebook, which has its messenger and you have something separate that's called message. And I no longer, when somebody has tried to contact me, I don't know if they've tried or not. Where do I look? Like this morning, I, they somebody called me up and well, where do I find you? is it on this one this one? I had to look all around before I found where the the message was.
0: Right. No, but it's true there's so many ways to message people now. It it it's pretty dizzying. And and I do my best to keep up with you know the messages I get on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and you know, all the different places. I do my best to keep up. But it is definitely not Easy, and especially when you get a lot of messages, sometimes you miss them. You just do, you know. Um, And sometimes I get messages from people, and I don't know what in the world they want from me. Like, you know, sometimes people just send me something, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to respond to it, (laughs) or like they don't put any words with it. You know, that those confuse me when people just send me something. I'm like, did you want me to do something with this? Was I supposed to? You know, I, I don't know. Sometimes. I need words to tell me why you sent something to me because I get so many messages. I, I can't pay attention to every single one of them, you know?
1: So I find, you know, so many uh, people are inundated with them and so they cut it all off. In fact, my brother and both of my sons do not have Facebook. They, they refuse to have it. So I know that I can't contact them that way or that they won't see it, you know? So I have to, I send them an email or telephone,
0: <laughs> Gotcha, yeah, no, I know a lot of people that have decided Facebook wasn't for them. um, I love it still i mean it's it's one of my favorite social media, and we do a lot of work on Facebook with my company, so with hunter's monkey that's that's a lot of what we do is on Facebook and advertising and such and now that we know how it all works, it's pretty cool <laughs> so
1: I just have not been able to. Keep up with it. It's, it's leapfrogged over me. Gotcha. I used to be like you helping other people. They thought, they thought that I was some sort of a tech savvy person. Well, not anymore.
0: <laughs> I know you are though. You still understand a lot of how it works and how it all goes together, you know? And I mean, and I think that that there, because, and I think that's hard to keep up because there's, oh, I've noticed for myself personally you know, sometimes these new things that come in with another generation, I don't get it or I don't like, I won't understand why something is funny. <laughs> I'll be like, I don't understand why that's funny, you know? And sometimes I literally have to ask my daughter. I'm like, tell me why that's funny. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, but it's just where they're coming from a different place and they're seeing things that I haven't seen, you know? So they have like, it's just, it's just like trying to tell a joke in a foreign language, you know? You don't always get it.
1: Like Medici uh media space, uh because uh it keeps you know, uh, keep me in contact with what's going on. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. So I have some fun questions for you. Are you ready for questions?
1: I'm ready for questions.
0: Okay. My first question for you is who is Howard Alexander?
1: Oh <laughs> Yeah. Uh that's uh I'm so glad you asked that. <laughs> uh, Howard, I'm not sure how my parents met Howard Alexander. He was, I think, a student at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And we were, dad was working at Bethlehem Steel. And somehow they had got made a connection, maybe through Christian endeavor. But anyway, they became good friends. He was a young uh, mathematics professor, uh, student, and uh, then he later became a a, uh, a college professor at Earlham College in Indiana, um, but uh, I he he was a conscientious objector to to the Second World War, and so he was assigned to um, be a guinea pig. They they did some experiments on him, and I think he also worked in mental hospitals as alternative service. Uh, If you weren't serving in the army, you had to do alternative service. And that was his, he he was, so he was a conscientious objector and that had an impact on me. And somehow he was able to come up with the funds so that my parents could buy uh, or get a down payment on their first home. We were just renting in this duplex when dad was working at the steel mills. And because of his union activities, uh, he lost his job, and the the United Steelworkers of America, the union, picked him up and put him on the staff. So the rest of his life, he worked for the uh, the CIO. He was loaned by the steelworkers; they paid his uh, salary, but they loaned him to the CIO to deal in uh, community relations. So uh, Howard Alexander was uh, pretty important. Uh,
0: yeah
1: in my life.
0: Well, so go back to how was he a guinea pig? What did they do?
1: I'm not sure what, uh, I don't know whether, it may, maybe it was penicillin when they were doing trials. Like now we have oh, this, God. this. Yeah, right, right, right. You're trying to figure out uh, uh, some remedy to it, some vaccine. Of course, this was uh, when I was uh, at that age, why it was polio was a big scare. People were still getting polio. We didn't right. have a vaccine for it.
0: And smallpox and chickenpox and
1: <laughs> mumps. And...
0: All those things, yeah. I mean, they still come around a little bit, some of them. But, you know, definitely we've, we've taken care of a lot of that. Now we got to figure out the COVID-19 thing. This one has thrown us for a little bit of a loop.
1: A big loop.
0: <laughs> no kidding.
1: Worldwide. Um,
0: what was your favorite experience at Berea College?
1: Oh, uh, that would have to be the dancing. Oh, okay. I had been on the campus uh, as a, you know, uh, my first time away from home. Uh, here I am deposited on this college campus and in a dorm room. And uh, we were or- given an orientation. And uh, I met a couple of other guys in the dorm. And one other guy and I went poking around that evening some of the different buildings to see what was going on, on campus. And we came in the gym of the small gym at the uh, PE department. And there are a group of dancers there, uh, country dancing, which is a, it's the type of dancing you see in the Jane Austen movies, social okay. dancing from an earlier time, historic social dancing. There's oh, a group. Gotcha. That, yeah, they, they did this. And I said, wow, what's that? I saw Badgett Dillard. I know the names. The guy was Badgett Dillard, was dancing with Eulogene Linden, and they were swinging. They were in each other's arms, twirling around. You know, it's called a, a buzz step swing. And uh, I said, that's, that's for me.
0: Oh, cool. Fun.
1: And it, it ended up the last 22 years of my life. I went back to Berea College in, as director of the. the uh, Recreation Extension, it was called. It was a dance program.
0: Well, I had never heard of this college before, and, and I noticed it said that it was tuition-free. Yes. That's amazing. It was started by abolitionists
1: before the Civil War. Okay. Uh, in Kentucky. Cassius Clay, uh, who had been the ambassador to Russia, this was back in the before the Civil War uh he was an abolitionist, and he gave some land uh, to john g fee to uh who was a congregational minister to start a an abolitionist community uh that uh, believed in uh did not believe in, in slavery and uh so fee went in and started a school that was Berea college so it, How today cool. it, it was always. Well, for a while, they had half black and half white uh students and the whole town and they even designed to have a white home and then a black home and a white home and a black home
0: <laughs> really <laughs> in
1: building the town on, up on this ridge in in Kentucky right close to the mountains so uh uh they they had an integrated school it was co ed uh one of the first colleges to, to be co-ed too. And uh, in 1904, 1902, uh, after the Civil War, uh, people got tired of the reconstruction and um, some locals who were uh, slave owners or at least pro-slavery, uh, they wanted this college run out of, of Kentucky. And so at gunpoint, they were chased across the Ohio River. But right after the Civil War, they were back. And, uh, but then the reconstruction period, people got tired of trying to make integration work. And Kentucky passed a law that forbid blacks and whites from being educated within five miles of each other. And uh, it was fought, the college fought it all the way to the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, and lost.
0: Oh uh, God they had to really?
1: segregate They started a black school in Louisville, and uh, Berea College became a white school when I was there in nineteen uh forty seven to fifty two um in fifty one that law was uh amended, and Berea immediately started taking blacks in again to its you know live up to its its uh start
0: right. Wow. How interesting.
1: Yeah, a very interesting s- school. It's a very good school because they were dealing with uh, uh, slaves. They uh, had to have health, self-help. Uh, they developed a labor program. You earned your keep. Instead of tuition, you had to work.
0: Ah, oh, And they developed that into an
1: educational experience. And so they not only had an academic dean, but they also had a dean of labor. Wow. That's a
0: lot of great lessons for kids, right?
1: And after I got to Berea College and my two brothers followed me there, and my next brother uh, eventually became the dean of labor.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, well, To you, quite the history with Berea College. That's interesting. Yes, we do. I love it. So I got to see, um, I got to see a video recently of you celebrating your 90th birthday sheltering in place, but let's talk about it. It was so, I loved it. So talk about what happened on your birthday.
1: Well, uh, COVID-19 had arrived and uh, I had, before COVID-19 arrived, my son in Kentucky, who lives in Berea, Kentucky, he wanted to know. Uh, what I wanted for my birthday. And I said, I'd like to spend time with my great-grandchildren. Now, this is my son, Martin. He is a grandfather 13 times. (laughs) Whoa. All right. They all live right there. They have Sunday dinners together at his house.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Cousins are growing up together and uh, I don't get to see them very often. Especially since I don't drive with the Vertigo, I can't drive anymore. He said, I will come and pick you up in a four seater airplane. I have a friend who has a plane. We'll come and pick you and burn you up and take you to Kentucky. You can spend a couple of days with your great grandchildren and we'll fly you back home. Well, with this uh, COVID 19, I called him up and said, Martin, I don't think it's going to be a good idea. Right. Uh, and so we, then I called him up later and said, no, call it. Off uh, we are staying put. and uh, I resigned myself. I learned in my life that you don't always get what you want.
0: right. <laughs> so,
1: so I was resigned to staying at home, and it'd be just like another day, and every day is great. So but at four o'clock in the morning, I got a uh, an email from my son in Denmark wishing me happy birthday and, and his wife. Uh, and then the, the emails and the messages started coming and it took me three days before I got them all answered and uh, tended to. And uh, so that was that was fine. And my wife had gotten presents from Amazon that were delivered and, and uh, had them all packaged up on the table. And uh, we had uh, it, I, instead of I like pie for breakfast. Ah, that's a good choice. Just pie with a candle in it.
0: (laughs) Oh, fun.
1: (laughs) So that was my my birthday, I thought. But, you know, no great-grandchildren. And then. the video. The video. Then the video. That made my day.
0: I love it. It was so cute. Everybody's saying happy birthday to you. I loved it. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, this has been wonderful, John. I have loved getting to know you better. Thank you for being on the podcast with me today.
1: Everybody appreciates me
0: <laughs> ah you know <laughs> I just have fun. That's my thing. It's like if this is gonna be a fun thing i'm I'm doing it, and this has been wonderful, and I appreciate your time. Thank you very much so it's on Amazon we can get your books and where do you where do you do your podcast? How do we find out about your podcast
1: uh well. It's on nine different platforms. So you should be able to find it. <laughs> Google it. John Martin Ramsey podcast. Uh, you can look up for Between uh, the Finite and the Infinite. You can look up Dog Tales. You can look up Flip and Freud. Or uh, the, the fourth one I had was uh, 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 the Media Space one. Uh, I've, I've Medici. quit doing that. Yeah. Medici media space. So there's, there's one on that as well.
0: Cool. Well, and, um, I did actually tag your private group. So if people are interested in being a part of the group, they can click on that and ask to join. All right. And learn more about being between the, the finite infinite. Yay. Well, thank you, John.
1: All right, thank you,
0: Mish. Shelter in place, stay well, stay safe, all that good stuff. And for everybody out there, you've been listening to Mish Mash podcast. Um, my love is going out with all of you during this time. Stay, stay, stay safe and well. Love you. Bye.